Lord God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this Christmas time. And we come to adore you, God. We come to worship you. Lord, this, this season, it's all about you. And we've come here today, Lord, because it's about you, Jesus. It's about what you've done, God, in our lives and saving us. And God, it's all about you. Our lives, everything we do, this service, our worship, our study. And so, God, we ask you would bless, God, this time. That you anoint it with your Holy Spirit. That you would speak to our hearts and move us closer to you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Do you remember about eight years ago how the end of the world was supposed to happen? I mean, it was like, oh, Merry Christmas, December 21st, 2012. The world's going to end. Remember, the whole Mayan calendar, everyone was going by, that it was prophetic, that cataclysmic things are supposed to happen, the lining up of planets, uh, the poles switching, it was all coming together with earthquakes and the whole world was going to come to the end. And what happened December 21st? Nothing happened, right? I remember one news station was live updates for, you know, December 21, 2012, and there was really no updates at, at all. Maybe you're old enough to remember how the world was also going to be turned, thrown into chaos on January 1st, 2000. Do you remember if you're old enough? It was the Y2K bug, right? That, that computers in the 90s, they couldn't handle the year 2000. So when the date changed, they would revert back to 1900. Because, you know, back then it was the last two digits, right? 96, 99, that, you know, that would be the years. And then 2000, they wouldn't know what to do, the computers, because they think it's 1900. So those predictions that, well, ATNs would stop working. You can't get your money, right? Airplanes would stop working and crash, or 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 uh, missiles will be launched. Right, the military is like, oh no, you know, all the nuclear missiles are going to take off, and and then they're saying babies born um, in the year two thousand. You know, the date would switch, and they'll be like a hundred years old because they'll be like born in the nineteen hundred. And well, what happened? It never came to the end. Of the world. So we've seen that. We've seen that in our own lifetime. We've seen even people predicting the end of the world because of this or that and all. Well, in our passage today, the Thessalonian believers were told that judgment had already come and they were living in the end of the world in the time of the tribulation. And so Paul, in our passage today, clears up the confusion saying, you know what? Before the judgment comes, that was prophesied. Before Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation years, there's going to be this great rebellion coming. There will be a great insurrection of the world. And that's the title of our message this morning. The great insurrection. And that's what we're going to be talking about here in our passage as we continue our study chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of 2 Thessalonians. Now, we're going to be covering 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 1 through 12. We finished up the chapter last week. So we're going on with the first 12 verses in chapter 2. And our outline is this, and this is going to really be our points also. Number one, the reveal of the Antichrist. Number two, the removal of the restraint. 
And number three, the rejection of Jesus Christ. So these things is what is going to happen before Jesus finally returns in that day of the Lord at the end of the tribulation and brings judgment upon the world. So that's what we're going to be seeing. So let's begin with number one, the reveal of the Antichrist. The reveal of the Antichrist. Now, we're going to be covering verses one through four in this section. So if you're taking notes, we're covering one through four here. But first of all, Let's take a look at verses 1 and 2. It reads here, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So we begin here with Paul now moving into the main reason for why he wrote this letter and and he says so now concerning the coming of our lord jesus and being gathered together now what is he talking about there well he's talking about the rapture of the church remember in his first letter in first thessalonians he covered that and we covered that we studied that you can go back and grab the uh the podcast or you can listen to our youtube channel and and listen in on first thessalonians 4 and 5 we covered a lot about the rapture of the church so he's kind of going back there and he's saying hey now concerning this the rapture of the church when jesus comes and takes his church home gathers them together in the rapture and we understand remember i've been teaching you all all these years and even when we were in Daniel that first is the rapture then I believe Ezekiel 38 39 scenario where Israel is attacked by the coalition of Muslim Arab nations but God's going to save them and then the tribulation comes and that's that day of the Lord we talked about in Thessalonians chapter 5 it's part of the judgment falling on the earth and the final thing is when Jesus returns in his second coming and he comes defeats uh, all the armies of the world and everything brings ju- total, complete judgment to the world. So, Paul's saying, concerning now this rapture now, and the coming of the Lord Jesus when he comes for the church. So concerning that, he says, do not, we ask you brothers, do not be, verse 2, not be quickly shaken in mind or uh, alarmed. So he's saying, you know, about this, don't, don't be shaken up about this. Don't panic about this, about what you're being told about the rapture. And remember, they are being told that, oh, the rapture already happened. Some of you guys missed it. And not only that, there, there's confusing things that are going on there. And notice he says there in verse 2, he says, uh, either by a spirit, that's like a prophetic word that some of these people are saying, well, thus says the Lord. And the spirit is saying this. Don't be shaken by if a spirit saying things like this, or a spoken word, like they're teaching you these things, or a letter seeming to be from us. So get this, there was, there was some letters going around saying, and they're reading it saying, this is from Paul, but it's not from Paul. It was forged. It was false. It wasn't from Paul. He says, don't be shaken, saying like different things to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. So the other thing they're saying is that, oh, judgment has come. And, and you're in the tribulation. You missed the rapture. Or all these things were all mixed up out there. And people were getting confused and all this. So Paul's saying, it's not true. The rapture's not come. And you're not under the judgment in the tribulation. Understand, remember, there's these false teachers going around. They're teaching these things. They're saying, 
oh, the Spirit is telling me this. Or here's a letter from Paul. You've got to understand. You know, see, he even, he's saying that. And so they're also using, remember, this church is under much persecution, right? Thessalonica was not friendly to Christians. Paul had to escape with his life when he first went there and planted the church. So they're using the persecutions, probably saying this. See, all this persecution proves our point. We are in the tribulation. We're under judgment right now. We are in that time of the day of the Lord. Remember, Paul talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 5. So Paul is writing here to clear that confusion up. And remember, that was our theme. The theme to this book is clearing the confusion about believers and the tribulation. And this is our theme verses that we're hitting on right now. So here's Paul getting into this to clear up this confusion and all that's going on over there. So then he goes on and tells us what's going to come first before the day of the Lord, before when Jesus comes He says here in verse 3, he says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Now stop right there. We'll take the rest of this in the next section, but in uh, in a moment. But first of all, what comes first, Paul is saying, Hey, let no one deceive you. Don't let these guys try and trick you into thinking these things. He's saying for that day of judgment now, that day, is, that's what he's talking about. He says, they will not come unless first the rebellion comes. Now, the word rebellion there is the Greek word apostasia. It means to forsake. It means to abandon. It even means to revolt. That's why in the ESV, it translates it as rebellion. This rebellion will come. And so this speaks about this revolt, this insurrection that's going to happen and you know it's going to re it's a rebellion insurrection against god against god's ways god's truth his way so this rebellion that's not like the esv is saying it's going to come first all this is going to this insurrection and that's why i titled this the great insurrection is going to come the old king james word calls it falling away like falling away from God. The NASB actually translates this word apostasy, like falling away from God. And that's the idea. That's where we get a word. Apostasy is from apostasia, the Greek word here. So Paul is saying, before the judgment day, when Jesus returns, what comes first will be a great rebellion and departure from God and His word. So that's what he's saying here. That's the idea. Now, Paul has talked about this in other places. Like, for example, turn to the right. The next book is 1 Timothy. If you go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and if you look at verse 1, it says here, Timothy first one, uh, 4 verse 1, just a few pages over. It says here, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, in latter times, which is the end times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Can you believe that? So people who profess as Christians are going to start following these other teachings, these false doctrines, and they're actually, Paul says, teaching of demons. Isn't that crazy? Why? Because it's this deception. Let no one deceive you. Even these false teachers are deceiving them. And, it's, uh, and let me show you one more thing. It's, um, it's not on the screen, but turn a couple pages more to 2 Timothy to the right. 
to chapter 3. And look at verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes here, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. And he goes on, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Doesn't that sound like today? Yeah. It sounds just like today. And I feel like our world is spinning more and more toward what's been prophesied here by Paul. So Paul is basically saying, understand, before this judgment, before Jesus returns, there's going to come this great rebellion. And what we're seeing is a buildup of this. What we're seeing is more and more of this happening today. But he's saying there's going to be a full-on departure from God and his things. Now, back to 2 Thessalonians. Take note, though. Some believe that this word apostasia now is, is not talking about a spiritual departure. That's what we've been talking about, right? A spiritual departure, right? But it is actually talking about a physical departure. That this Greek word apostasia is really suggesting a departure, physical departure of the church herself, which is the rapture. Now understand, there, there's, there's talk on this, and even um, uh, there's been people throughout the ages talking. And then recently, I, I got this book, it's called The Falling Away. And Falling Away, it's talking about apatasia. And Dr. Andy Woods makes a case, a really good case on this. And, and I think it's interesting, so I'm going to put this out, out to you. But basically, he goes through in his book, he goes through the... The, the, the context, it goes through how apostasia was used, and it was used in a physical departure sense too, so it can be used. He also cites like early translations of the Bible, translating it more towards a physical departure. Uh, so he, his case is when Paul's talking about the, the Rebellion. He's really talking about apostasia in a sense of a departure and that this is a reference of the rapture of the church, a time and place of that, the rapture of the church before all of this happens. So that's his, that's his case. I want to read to you. He said in, um, in the book, Dr. Andy Woods, he said, by providing these two definite articles, talking about the Greek, essentially Paul is indicating that a that the apostasy will be something that has specific time-bound quality. So it's very interesting. So he's talking about more like a physical departure. Now, you, you can study that on your own. That, uh, as far as a pre-rapture view of things, that, that's kind of exciting, you know, to see that. But either way, we see whether it's a spiritual departure or a physical departure of the church in a rapture, this must happen before Jesus returns. That's what Paul is putting out there. Let's go on here now in verse 3. Verse 3 now, after he says that, unless the rebellion comes first, and then he says, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So here's the second thing. 
that Paul is saying that has to happen. That this man of lawlessness is to rise up. He's the son of destruction. Who's that? That's the Antichrist. He's the man of lawlessness. He goes by many names. And he goes by like, like the, the, the name of the, the peace the beast in Romans in Revelation 19:20 the little horn in Daniel 7:8 he's satan's man that's why he says he's the son of destruction that's talking about satan who wants to destroy us and destroy people so here he is the son of destruction he actually leads the world in this great insurrection and Paul talks about it. he opposes and exalts himself uh, against every so-called God or object of worship. In other words, he, he ends up bringing himself to become God and have everyone worship. And that's what he's talking about when he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself God. And we know that. We know that is called the abomination of desolation. desolation. Three and a half years into the tribulation, it has been prophesied, uh, in the Bible, that he will go into the rebuilt Jewish temple, stand in that temple, and require the world to worship him. And, and let, let me put this thought out to you. The world's going to do it. They're going to receive that. They're going to go, yeah, he's the guy, yeah. Because, you see, he's going to rise up, Lord, as this leader, right? As the savior of the world. So, Here's Paul saying, concerning the great insurrection, that rebellion, the second thing that will happen before Jesus returns in judgment is the rise of the Antichrist. And he's going to rise up. He's going to be powerful, you guys. He's going to rise up and he's going to take over. Remember, he's going to be the leader of the last world empire. He's going to bring the whole world under one global government. He's going to be, we learn in Daniel, charismatic. He's going to be, you know... Uh, speak very well. He's he's going to he's going to be a good speaker. He's going to win hearts. He looks good on camera. He has all the right answers. He's becoming he's going to become popular, but he's going to hide his cruelty. He's going to appear as that savior to all the world's problems. Think about that. He's going to fix the economy. He's going to usher this one currency which we're heading toward already right now he's going to bring a pseudo peace in in the world and and at first with this with his partner the false prophet we call we call him he's going to bring in a unity of all the religions at first yeah oh let's be together then he's going to stand up in that temple and declare himself god and have everyone worship him and i was just thinking this morning i was thinking you know, what if it's like this? What if he stands in the temple and, and with his, the false prophet buddy, you know, talking and everything, he, he's going to say, hey, I'm the one, right? I'm the one who's helped you. I'm the God who's helped you. I'm the one you've been worshiping as Allah, right? I'm the one that you've been worshiping as Krishna. I'm the Buddha. I'm really the one, you guys. He's going to do miracles and fool everybody. I'm the one, even Jesus, right? But all along, it's been me. Could you imagine? I could see that today. And all the world's going to go, yeah, he's the one, he's the one. And they're going to fall to him. He's going to require that. But of course, we know Israel, those who are saved, they will not. And they're going to flee. And God will protect them as the Antichrist tries to kill them. So this is the Antichrist that Satan will set up. And do you notice something here? He's the son of destruction right that that's that's 
Satan's man. And then there's a false prophet who's kind of over the religions. Do you see something going on here? This is like mimicking God's trinity where we have God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we have Satan, the Antichrist, and we have the false prophet, you know, pushing all this religion. So, after the rapture, before Jesus returns in judgment, will be, it will be the reveal of the Antichrist. So this is what Paul's putting out here. The reveal of the Antichrist. This is what's going to happen, you guys. He's going to lead this worldwide rebellion. The, the world's already rebellion. It's going to come into this heightened rebellion against God. And he's going to step in there as a leader of all this. And they're going to go rah, rah, and we're going to follow you. The other weekend, there was a virtual, I, I don't know if you guys caught this on the news, a virtual G20 summit, right? Meeting with 20 uh, leaders of countries with the biggest economies. That's a G20. You've probably seen it on the news. And because of the virus, they did a virtual meeting. One headline said, G20 world leaders emphasize need for unity, solidarity to overcome coronavirus impact. The Italian Prime Minister uh, Giuseppe Conte said the summit will reflect our commitment to rapidly recover from the crisis and to find solutions for the major challenges facing humanity today from climate change to enduring inequalities. We must stand united and the use of the opportunities offered by this crisis to create a new, better normal. Isn't that crazy? So think about this. What's happening with the coronavirus and this whole pandemic is actually bringing these nations together. And I believe it's setting up, the coronavirus is setting up what I believe one day soon the Antichrist will rise up and become the world leader of all all this. Of all these coalition and nations coming together and it'll, it'll make sense. Yeah, let's have one government. Let's be one world. Let's be one people in all of this. So you see this? Even what we're living through right now is a stepping stone, a setup to what's going to happen in the future. It's, it's clear to me. But understand, after the rapture, right, before Jesus returns in judgment, there's going to be that big reveal, and that's the Antichrist coming on the scene. So, when you read and watch the news, understand these things. Understand how things are setting up. Understand the world is heading toward all of this. And understand even the rebellion we see, if, if, no matter how you interpret this, we see it in First Timothy and Second Timothy, what was prophesied there. Think about the state of Christians right now. How more and more so-called Christians are not sticking to biblical principles and living for God. Even pastors are becoming vocal about things. Drifting from things like life, at the like you know where we stood strong on life at the moment of conception to late term abortions about marriage being between a man and woman to whatever your sexual sexual preference is that that's okay or how about the absolute lines of right and wrong to hey whatever works for you that's okay we just need to live live with one another do what you feel like right We see this changing in our our world right now. And isn't it interesting? The devil has turned God's moral principles into political agendas, right? Political opinions. So if we stick to the Bible, oh, oh, you're getting too political on me. Yeah, you belong to this, this group. No, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Bible. 
That's what I believe in. But do you understand how things are changing? And even God's principles are being twisted into this political agenda. And then people are buying it up, saying, yeah, 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 well, those guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we got to be like this. We got to be open. We got to let everyone be who they are, that kind of stuff, right? So you understand how deceptive all of this is. Well, it's all a buildup, you guys, to the great insurrection. Let's go on now uh, to the removal of the restraint. We saw the reveal of the Antichrist. And now from verses 5 to 8 is the removal of the restraint. Look at verse 5 to 7 first. It says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So Paul here, we'll stop there. Paul reminds the Thessalonians, first of all, do you not remember that when I was still with you? I I told you about these things. I talked about the rapture. I talked about the day of the Lord. I talked about the tribulation, Jesus' return. And you know what what I like about that? I like that Paul talked about all this. I mean, some... Some people say, oh, don't talk about prophecy in church. It's too controversial. No one really knows what it is, so I'm not going to talk about that. Some pastors say that. But Paul talked about it. We see Paul being bold about it, and he knew what he believed. So he says, you guys remember? When I was there, I talked to you. I wrote to you about this in the last letter. And then he says this, and you know what is restraining him, that's the Antichrist, so, so that he may be revealed in his time. So you know who's holding him back until that time that he's going to come on the scene. And then he says an interesting thing for the mystery, verse 7, of lawlessness. Remember in the Bible, mystery, it, it, it means like, not like, oh, a mystery, we'll never know, you know, kind of thing. No, mystery in the Bible means something that wasn't very clear is now being made abundantly clear, super clear. So kind of fuzzy in the Old Testament, but now in the New Testament, it's becoming really clear. So this mystery, this this thing, this prophecy, we weren't too sure of, but now we know for sure, you know, this lawlessness one, which is the Antichrist, will be revealed. We we know that's going to happen. And then he makes this comment, which we've been talking about, that is already at work. All this rebelliousness, all this insurrection attitude, it's, it's in the works, and we see it right now in the works in our world right now. And then he says, only who now restrains will do it until he is out of the way. In other words, someone's restraining the Antichrist right now until it's time for the Antichrist to come forth. And so who is this restrainer? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and his work through the church of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. That's the restrainer right now. He's holding evil back. He's holding Satan back from totally taking over the world. He's holding the Antichrist from rising up. And the Holy Spirit is working in the church. And that's how this restraint of rebellion and the leader of rebellion is happening. You remember Jesus called believers in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth. What is salt? Salt's a preservative and it enhances flavor. Well, that's what we are as believers. That's what the church is. 
And so the presence of the Holy Spirit in this world working and the presence of the Holy Spirit in believers on the earth keep the world from going rotten, you guys. Keep the world from spinning out of control and, and, and totally getting corrupt, right? We live in this dark world, but we bring the light. We live in this time where things are spinning more out of control. But you know what? We bring in this love of Jesus We flavor the world with God's agape and his principles. We bring in the truth that once you see it, makes sense. That's what we are. We are the salt. And it's the Holy Spirit working us in in the world. But think about this. This is interesting. Once the rapture happens, the church is taken out, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church is taken out, and then the Holy Spirit stops restraining, then look what's going to happen. All kinds of wickedness and evil is just going to go rampant. Rebelliousness against God's things will just take off unhindered. Think about that. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about you know the, the riots we've seen recently on TV. Think about that just unhindered, just released all over the place. Think about how, how anger and bitterness and, and hatred, right? Jealousy. You know, it's being restrained right now because we we fight against that ourselves inside of us, but we try and bring in love and grace and mercy and peace. But think about that all gone. Then everyone just going wild and and the whole sinful flesh just doing whatever. Think about that. That, That's going to be so crazy world. So this is Paul saying, look, who's right now there's a restrainer, the Holy Spirit, that's keeping all of this back. Until... This Antichrist rises up, then everything goes crazy. But then he says in verse 8, basically it's going to be temporary. Verse 8, he says, and then the lawless one will be revealed. So the restrainer is going to let go, Antichrist rises up. And then it says, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So it's only going to be temporary, though, and we know that. Seven years tribulation, he'll rise up, and at the end, Jesus will return. And I love how he writes this, the breath of his mouth, he's going to kill him. He's going to stop him, basically. And what is that speaking? Just by Jesus speaking the words, going to stop. Um, When we get to studying Revelation next year, and we get to chapter 19 at the end, you know, it's this big buildup of the battle of Armageddon. All the armies are starting to fight each other. Then Jesus returns. They turn to fight Jesus. And, you know, you're waiting for Jesus like, you know, like the movies like Thor. Like, we just watch Thor. But, you know, like all the powerful, you know, beams of power coming out. And Jesus stops. No, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a letdown because he just says, you're done. And that's it. You know, he just speaks from his mouth. Yeah, right? But that's what it's talking about. Jesus will come and end the Antichrist, his rule, his reign, everything that he does is going to come to end all this wickedness of, of evil. So the removal of the restraint is only temporary. God will put an end to the Antichrist and all the evil. Just quickly turn to Revelation, the last book here, verse 19, and we'll just look at these things quickly. But in Revelation 19, <clears throat> uh, it, I'll show you this reference in verse 15. 1915, the back of the Bible here. Revelation 1915, it says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And so here it is right there. He just says the word. And then look over verse 20 in Revelation 19. It says, And the beasts who capture 
and with the false prophet who is in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the image, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns and it, with sulfur. That's the end of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And one more. Look at chapter 20, Revelation 20. Just look over a page. And it says in verse 10, it says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and false prophet were, and they will be tormented uh, and night forever and ever. So that's the end of them. Yay. Thank you, Jesus. Back to Thessalonians. So we see the rise and temporary rule of the Antichrist comes after the removal of the restraint of the Holy Spirit. So that, those stuff have to happen first before judgment comes. The rise and temporary rule of the Antichrist comes after that removal of the restraint, which is the Holy Spirit. You know, I ran into an old co-worker in, in the story, and as we were catching up, um, you know, we're just talking story, and all of a sudden she cussed out loud. Now, I don't remember. She didn't say the F word. She might have said the S word or even the D word, but she cussed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she, she like backpedaled. She goes, oh, oh sorry. And she remembered I was a pastor. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh sorry. So, sorry about that. I go, yeah, yeah, what, what, whatever. But, you know, it makes me think about how when certain people are around, right, you put on the best behavior, don't you? Yeah? You put on your, oh, yeah, you, you know. Or you come church. Oh, you put your church face on, yeah? You put your church clothes on and you act like, whoa, good behavior. You know, not going to say these things or say those words and all, all that. But then once that person is gone, what? Anything goes or everything goes, right? That's what's going to happen here in the world. All, literally, all hell breaks loose. Literally. Revelation talks about demons coming out of the, 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 the pit and coming out and terrorizing people and torturing people. It's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. You know what? All this makes me think about how do I carry myself in the world? Think about that. How do you carry yourself? In other words, am I, I think about this. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit so much so that I'm being used as a restraining force, right? As helping to fight the rebelliousness and the anger, jealousy, and hate, right? That I'm showing that love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and bringing Jesus and the truth. Are you like that restraining force or are you the opposite? That's what I was saying. Am I the opposite? Influencing others to be jealous, to be hateful, to be, just be angry and unforgiving. I mean, think about that. We should be salt of the earth. That's what Jesus is calling us to be. Once we're gone, it's going to go crazy. We, I don't want to be part of ramping up this rebellion against God that's happening right now. The build-up of all that. I ask you to search your heart today. Well, let's go on to number three, the rejection of Jesus Christ. So we see in this great insurrection, the reveal of the Antichrist, the removal of the restraint, and now the rejection of Jesus Christ. And this will cover the rest of our verses to verse 12. But verse 9 and 10, the beginning of 10, uh, verse 9, it says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. We'll stop there. So, so that he's describing this lawless one, the Antichrist. And what's behind the Antichrist is, as I mentioned, Satan, the devil. 
And he's going to be really playing out. The uh, Antichrist will be playing out the devil's strategy here. It's, it's all his working here. That's what he's talking about. It's the activity and strategy that Satan wanted to do all along. And he's going to use false uh, powers and miracles that Satan can do. Remember Pharaoh, the magicians did some miracles and things like that. that you know, and, and, and they did tricks and things like that. So he's going to rule the people, trick the me- people and with all wicked deception, it says here. How evil is that, right? Wicked deception for those who are perishing, meaning unbelievers there. So Satan's ultimate goal is to deceive you and destroy your soul. That's his goal for people. You know, real quick, if you look at John 10.10, 10, and, I, and I, I could read it to you, but I want you to see it with your own eyes. John 10.10, 10, so you understand Satan's goal and his strategy, what he's trying even you as a believer in Christ to do. John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes to steal, only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So opposite of what Jesus came for us, Satan wants to destroy us. So back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the second part of verse 10, it says, Because they refuse to love the truth and be saved, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So it's kind of like, why do these unbelievers fall so easily into the devil's deception? Why, why is that? Well, Paul expla- explains, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. The NLT says, because they refuse to love and accept the truth, that would save them. I, that, that, that's exactly what Paul is putting out here. It's so sad. They don't want Jesus. They choose to reject Jesus, his provision for salvation, his love for them, and reject God. That's what they, they just chose that. And so, interesting here, it says, therefore God sends them a strong delusion that they may believe what is false. Now, what is that? Yeah, that seems like, whoa, what, what, what do you, God's, you know, helping them be deluded? No. What Paul is saying is God is allowing them to basically do what they want to do. What happens, right? People continue to reject God, His love, His truth. They harden their hearts toward God, right? They harden their hearts. And God's like, okay, I don't force anybody to believe. That's God. He made us with a free will. So we can make a free choice if we want to love God or not. So God's not going to force us and make us into robots and do things. He goes, okay, then you know what? I'm going to allow you then to continue on with the choice you made. But understand, this is after God repeatedly over and over reaching out, repeatedly trying to save and get their attention out. But they keep rejecting, rejecting. So God says, okay, my hands are off. You do what you want. That's what happened with Pharaoh. Exactly what happened with Pharaoh. And so he lets them do what they want. They go on their on in their what? Pleasure in unrighteousness. They like the pleasures of sin, basically. So these love their sin so much that they would rather believe, get this, the lie of Satan, rather than believe the truth of God's love. Isn't that heavy? 
We're reading the, the, the son of destruction, the deception that he puts out. He's going to deceive the whole world. The world's going to think the Antichrist is God. And so he's saying, you know what? They would rather believe that than believe the love and truth of God. Isn't that heavy? A friend of mine, Pastor John Miller, said, there is no middle ground. If you reject the truth, there is nowhere for you to go except to believe the lie. Oh, I, I, when he said that, I was like, whoa, that's heavy there. You think about it in those terms. Yeah. That you choose to be deceived. You choose Satan's lie. You're deceived and you like that. You're okay with that because you like the pleasures of sin. Our last point is in the end, the world chooses to embrace the Antichrist with the rejection of Jesus Christ. You know, a few months ago, the FBI announced two men and women have been indicted in St. Louis, Missouri, for what they call the romance scam. I don't know if you caught this in the news. This was in September. Some victims were some women from Hawaii where they were con hundreds and thousands of dollars as these thieves pretended to be high-ranking military officers deployed overseas looking for love. So this is a total scam. They called it the romance scam. I think it's so evil and wicked that they would prey on people's desires, their emotions, right? Their heart to get money from them. But think about that. That's exactly what Satan does. You know what? He's running that romance scam right now in this world, right? Is that you? Maybe falling into his deception? Watch out. He, he promises much but delivers nothing. And all you end up with is with pain. He catches you. Oh, it's going to be great. Do this. Do this. Oh, you, you'll be all right. Yeah, you know, um, it's all right. You'll get all this. It'll stop your suffering if you drink this. Oh, you won't have to feel that pain if you take this. Oh, and oh, if you go with this person, oh, that, oh, your world will be complete. Right? And he deceives you. If you do this, you go after this. Or, hey, money's everything, you know. Right? Material thing. Oh, you know, get, get your things. That's what's important in, in life. Think about how he puts things out there. Right? To puts a carrot out there so you go for it and deceive you, only tricking you when he's only come to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, the biggest lie is what Satan told Eve. Right? The devil told him, Hey, you can be like God. You can do whatever you want. You can be your own woman. You can be your own man. Just to do it, right? You can be the captain of your own destiny and just do whatever you like. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Don't believe that lie. Don't be scammed. Don't reject what God says. Because you know what? If you keep doing that, He will honor your decision. you say, okay. I love you. I want you here, but you know what? You don't want it? I made you with the free will. You can, you can make your choice. So you know what, today, you guys, we have an opportunity to stop listening to the lies. Stop being deceived and duped by the devil. Even as believers, right? We see in the scriptures, it looks like these professed Christians were being drawn away and they've fallen away in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And we can easily 
Yeah? Get drawn away or drift away from what the Word says. Who God is. His love for us. Where He wants us. His will. So easy. So wherever you are at today, you have this opportunity to not partake in this rebellion that's coming. To not partake in and be part of building up all this stuff going on in the world that Satan's doing. But we can be salt and light in this world and live for God. Change your life. Make choices today. Wherever you stay right now in your walk with God, even online, if you haven't received Christ or anyone in here, this is the time to receive Christ. Do not put it off any long. Because what we're reading will come to pass. I'll close with this story. True story. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard of Art Linkletter. He told of this time when his good friend Walter drove him out to show him a piece of property in the countryside of California. It was a ways out. They went out for a while, drove for a while. And then when they got to the place, Walter's friend shared his dream for developing the area. And then he, he, he told him about it would bring in like hotels, restaurants, a whole community. He told Art to take all his money and invest in that area. He wanted his friend, right, to have the, this first opportunity to buy into this, this uh, project that he was doing, or especially the land around the area. Well, Art couldn't see it. He thought, who would drive 25 miles for this, right? There's nothing out here, cows and, you know, land and all this stuff. And plus, the logistics of it all was just overwhelming. And, but Walter kept impressing on me, you better move on this right now, right now. And, and Art decided to turn him down. He thought his friend was just, you know, led, allowing the dream to get the best of him. And, uh, but Walter kept pressing. And, and so Art told him, okay, okay, I'll think about it. But he never got around to doing anything about it. And it ended up being a huge missed opportunity because eventually... All that Art's friend told him came to pass because his friend's name was Walt Disney. And it was Disneyland he was showing him. And he wanted him to get in an opportunity of the hotels, you know, the community, everything, the shops, restaurants, all around. So you guys, don't fall into the devil's deception. Ah, you don't need God. You don't need Jesus. Ah, it won't happen for a long time, you know. I see it happening soon. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day to commit more to God and live for Him. Believe in what God said. Give your life to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Give more. And then you'll be saved from getting caught up in the coming insurrection. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your word today. And even as we move into this time of communion, Lord, we ask that you would remind us, Lord, of your truths and what you've done on the cross, Lord. Remind us of the gospel that we believe in, Lord. And I, I pray for anyone here who has n- never given their life to Christ, that even right now as I pray, that they would call out to you, call out, confess their sins, repent of their sins, and that you would come and cleanse them and save them and put your Holy Spirit in them, Lord. And pray as they believe in you as Lord, as they believe in you as Savior, and all that you've done on the cross, that this communion would be a first communion, Lord, 
of being saved. And I pray for all of us here that this communion be a moment of dedication and commitment to you. That we would come back to what is important. Come back to living for you in light of what we read today and in light of your soon coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at this time, we're going to